All right, the usual intro to the pod. Uh, just let you know to check out all our socials, whatever, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you know, the drill. Um, it's at it's Sportsgasmic on Twitter if you don't know the drill. And then just search us on the other ones the way you would. Um, you just see the familiar logo. It's pretty simple. Um, yeah, this one's a bit of a, a bit of soccer chat here. We, were, As I said on the last one, we recorded it, this one a few days ago. Um, yeah, we were just recording in between little snippet parts of the weekend that we could get uh as we're all busy people with actual jobs um but yeah uh it's good stuff um it's a lot more topical so it's um not so much based on um immediate events happening over the weekend or anything like that so it was okay that we didn't get it uploaded for a couple of days because we didn't want to start talking about previews for the weekend or whatever and then have it not even be relevant but there's none of that we did do talk about the mls cup final which is still to come but otherwise it's a Few more issues uh, based around some you know things that happened uh, over the last week or two with uh, football that are still re- relevant. Um, so yeah, give it a listen. Uh, help us out with the rates, reviews, subscribes, whatever. Um, any every little bit of um, support in any way that it can be given as far as its uh, sharings and whatever um, works. So yeah, help helps out and appreciate it. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. <laughs> Sportsgasmic Pod coming back at you once again. A um, little bit of a hiatus over the last couple of weeks with um, me traveling for some sports and whatever, which I mentioned on the other pod we recorded, which will be releasing at a similar time to this one. But yeah, Shay on the line, as per usual. Yeah. Yeah, back-to-back days. Yeah, yeah. We've uh... broken, it, broken it up across two days rather than doing an all-in-one-night recording session because we're... Um, yeah, I'm just fucking busy, so... It was and we're old and sleepy and, you know, you just like I took a nap after we recorded yesterday. <laughs> it, was a, it was an excellent nap. Yeah, I guess I took a nap too, but it was like it was also 2 a.m. So it was just I, I went to sleep until <laughs> Andrea's alarm went off at 6.50 and I actually felt okay, which is because I, did, I, I have become very smart with how I handle my alcohol, which I'm just not drinking on the one tonight because I got cricket tomorrow and yeah. Yeah. Making my debut. Froffies was yeah, asking if I was going to mention it on a pod, and I was like, all right, I'll, I'll mention it on this one. You're going to have the butterflies. Butterflies tonight, nervous. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm a bit nervous. Even though I know, like, I know I'm, everyone knows I'm so just raw, like I've never played, never done anything with it. So the expectations are low, but I still, you, you still want to exceed expectations rather than have them at the end of the day going, <laughs> yeah, no, he's Rise exactly, to the occasion. He's exactly as shit as we thought he was going to be. Yeah, or, or, or worse. Who knows? But yeah, is Matt going to be able to see you play? No, no, because he's playing in the division above me, so he's uh, at an oval about half an hour away. So, but we'll all be all the divisions kind of. I think everyone heads back to the same like the the pub in the town where the team's from. So that's kind of just everyone will be meeting in the center after all the matches. The <laughs> you know four different matches that are happening across the divisions tomorrow and getting some nice. getting some froffies with froffies. It will be happening. So, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he'll find out how many you've dropped for the Schooner Club. So, <laughs> well, that's only in his division, luckily. So I'm, I'm like, I'm, I am exempt from the Schooner Club, which is good. Um, it's just, the, <laughs> it's, it's a, their team thing that they're doing, um, which is good, yeah. probably good because I, I haven't done any fielding practice. Um, I'm, I'm like, I'm decent at catching, but 
um, I'm also very much like in my own head. So if I like have one bad moment, then it could just it could spiral out of control. Um, kind of like a <laughs> kind of like an um, Arsenal Arsenal captain leaving the field. Um, oh boy, <laughs> what a transition <laughs> into the real meat of the meat of the pod. Yeah, well, you know, we were uh, we were saying we we're going to open the pod off air with the uh, talking about Granite Jacker and. Um, the weekend, uh, and, and you know I, that was a very, very kind of um, tongue-in-cheek comment that I made. But no, it was um, we both <laughs> we are going to approach it from the serious point of view that it was um, it was quite astounding to see. Um, you know, first of all, like the first thing I saw it was just the vision of it. Um, obviously, cup in the ear to the fans and some words exchanged and whatever, and and you know um, it was not something it was something we've seen before because. Um, uh, fans and players can be ha, do have volatile relationships, and in particular, soccer seems to be the sport that brings it out more than anything. Um, whether it's because you do have more of a melting pot of cultures more than anything, particularly in the Premier League, with players coming from all over the world to play there, and mm-hmm. um, relationships with fans not always going well, depending on what the the mutual mutual understandings and misunderstandings are. But um, Arsenal are in a weird place at the moment with the um, hot Emery certainly in the hot seat, it seems, which. Um, yeah, <laughs> flaming bit, hot. Yeah, a little bit over a year in seems a bit soon for me, but um, this is the, this is the world of football we're in now, and um, you've got to be producing results. Uh, but yeah, Jacka, uh, it kind of seems like it's just it's not totally. Uh, I you you you've watched him more. Like what what's your what's your first of all just as as a fan, your opinion of um, him, and then just what happened. Well, I think first of all, he's. Um, he plays a position that's pretty thankless, so it's hard to know yeah. when he's doing his job. Um, all of his stats are really good and compare really well to like historic, you know, kind of holding midfielders in the English Premier League. But he does just—he's. I don't know how to exactly phrase this perfectly. He's a—he's uh, kind of a loose cannon. When it, he makes stupid fouls, he's given away bad penalties, and so when you when you can't really tell anything. Like, if you're a casual fan, you can't tell anything that he's doing is great, and he's making these stupid fouls, giving away penalties, kind of blasting balls over the crossbar from 30 out when you have one of the best front lines in the league. Mm -hmm. Um, The frustration starts to grow, and then he got rewarded the captaincy before the season, and I think it surprised a lot of people, but the team voted on it, so you got to trust your team. And so people are kind of the harshest on the captain and Arsenal are bad right now uh, for lack of a better word. They're just terrible. They're not fun to watch. Um, they blow leads. They can't, they can't hold on to any lead. Um, so I think this was just kind of, he was kind of the scapegoat for all the frustrations that are going on, but he is also a part of the frustrations that are going on. So it's really kind of convoluted situation where I don't think anybody was in the right in it. I I have no problem booing players. I know a lot of Arsenal fans are mad um, that we should never treat a player, especially a captain like that. But I, I don't understand why you can boo a coach, but you can't boo a player And then in that situation. And I don't think Jock was wrong for reacting to it. He's a human being like anybody else. It's a bad feeling. Um, I'm sure he's just as frustrated as we all are um, with the results on the field. So just a, a pretty abhorrent... Uh, moment from a season that's been full of them yeah yeah and that's um uh, the the booing um from the stands thing is something that's come up a lot um liverpool um back in our 
dark days that we've had and um, I never take it for granted, never take the good ones for granted because there's always the bad turn can be around the corner. I think um, a lot of fans are starting to realise that now that the, the Premier League's getting so much more competitive with teams coming from under. But um, being the ability, you know, you pay your ticket, you can you can use it however you want. I'm not one to... I don't think I've... I'm trying to think if I've ever, ever really booed a, my own player before. I don't think I have because it's, it's just not in my nature... Um, I remember being in Yankee Stadium when A-Rod was um, coming back from his big suspension and and you had guys just complete, just throwing vitriol from the 300 level, just, you know, just the w- words that I certainly say plenty of times, but saying, yelling, yeah. yelling them the way they were. And I was just like, I was just like you know, I, the A-Rod thing's an interesting one because there's so much more to it than just purely on the field play, but... I was there. Yeah. I was just like, oh, "Fuck it!" I'm watching the Yankees. He's in the Yankee uniform. I want. I'm going to cheer if he hits a home run. So why would I boo him before it? You know, I just and it's just not, yeah. not my nature. But um, I certainly and they would cheer too. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. That guy would be fucking. If if he got the home run ball hit to him, he'd be keeping it and trying to get yeah. a signed bat from the dude or something. So you know. <laughs> um. Yeah. So yeah, the booing, booing. You you pay your t- you pay your price for your ticket. You can do what you want with it. Um. Certainly not my. And uh, what what got me was you know Xhaka. We were talking about it off air. He released that statement um, which Arsenal put out on their Twitter account. Basically, he was apologising, saying you know I'm, I'm sorry for what happened. It was kind of essentially apologising for the misunderstanding, which I think we. Have. But then he says, kind of like, this is why it got I got to this point, and this is why you guys are also complicit in this. Which he what was the. Messages he mentioned, uh, we will break your legs, kill your wife, wish that your daughter gets cancer. Like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I can understand when if you've been if that's rolling around in your head and then these guys are booing from the stands, I'd probably start flipping birds and cover my ear and tell yeah. them, telling them to fuck off. So, um, there is that, that I think that's what we as fans have to look at that and go, shit, like, even if I'm not a part of that vitriol, that horrible, those horrible things that are being said, which is just. If if you're if you're one of the few listeners we have, even you've ever sent one of those ones, you know, think about what you're doing because that's just there's no there's no place for that as fans, no matter how passionate no. you think you are or, or what you what rights you think you have as a fan as a passionate fan, you you can't say those things to people who are simply just doing a job at the end of the day. Like even if it is a job that is um, high passions and a dream job for all of us, we'd all love to be paid a hundred thousand a week um, and much more for some people um, to play football, but you know, these guys are still doing a job and putting a lot of heart and soul into it. And, um, and certainly I think Xhaka, for all his um, reckless challenges and, and whatnot, he's putting he's still putting a shift in and um, he doesn't deserve to get those things said. So I think that's what we as fans who, even if we're not part of that, obviously, uh, we need to look at why these, um, even if we're in the stands booing, those those there might be a fan that's such a really good fan, he's just kind of, taking part in that booing and we talked about this when um uh i'm trying to think uh when durant went down in the playoffs last year and oh they, yeah Toronto, you kind of yeah. you kind of just have there's a few fans that start it and everyone else kind of jumps in on it there's probably that happened at arsenal on the weekend too and that's why you've got to really think about like you know the mob mentality is a hard thing to because you might be you might be a few beers deep and be like ah oh, fuck this guy you know you might be a bit frustrated everyone else starts booing around you like fuck it i'll take part two because you kind of just it's just what you do, and I and I don't blame anyone for that. But it should just make us all, I think, just take a step back and look at that that statement that he put out, and kind of 
look at the whole situation and just think we we do have a responsibility as fans to be a bit better too. Um, players certainly, you know, he's 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 acknowledged that he let his emotions get the better of him in the moment, and he would like to. He wishes he'd probably handled it differently, but he's also telling us as fans, hey, you've got a responsibility here too to to make this. And he he says he w- wishes we get back to a place of mutual respect, which is what mm. it is basically. Yeah, unfortunately, it's going to take them winning a little bit. Yeah, because I think yeah, I think I'm, you're I'm, spot on. Yeah, <laughs> you're spot on with a lot of that stuff because yeah. I don't. I also don't think that the like the fans that were booing were necessarily the ones on Twitter telling him that stuff about exactly. like his daughter and his legs and stuff like that. I mean, it's one thing to boo a player, which I I have really no problem with, but it's like when you see like. United miss a penalty and then you see all the racial abuse yeah. hurled at their players and it's like I thought you guys were United fans and like like what are you actually mad at like are mm-hmm. you actually mad at like I don't know it's it, it's just, it was just an ugly moment from the season and ho- I'm hoping it was the rock bottom and obviously there's no yeah like you said there's no place in sports for wishing like especially like a dot like anything on a daughter or wife it's just it's just disgusting so um, and who knows if those guys were even Arsenal fans who were doing that to him on Twitter. But, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that the club addressed it because it was important. Um, I think Emery handled it completely wrong. As he's, he's bottled so many things this year. <laughs> and he even bottled this by throwing Jaka under the bus um, and not the fans. Mm. Uh, just trying to win over favor with the fans a little bit, I think. And I, I don't think there's any coming back from... <laughs> where he's at with the fans right now so um but yeah hopefully hopefully this was rock bottom and everybody kind of learned a little lesson about it I, I honestly have no idea what to expect because i don't think arsenal has what it takes this season to be really a really good squad that a lot of people hoped that they would be especially after the first month yeah yeah and that's um it is unfortunate because we were talking i think when we potted back in late August or um or probably mid mid September about um the promising promising place that the Arsenal was in even after the um loss at Anfield just we 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 thought that there was there were signs there. So it is it is unfortunate how it's kind of kind of unraveled a little bit lately, but um yeah. You know, maybe it maybe it will, maybe something like this can galvanize, but uh, um yeah, like you said, Emery didn't really handle it the best. So um yeah. He's he's well, just, he's mean- trying to just curry favour with with the uh, with those that are in the majority, and I think he he feels like if he takes the side of the fans over Jacker, he's gonna maybe somehow get some favor. But the fans only need another bad result to to forget the whole Jacker thing and and refocus back on Emery. So yeah, but also a win will make us forget about it. I think as yeah. well, just yeah. like getting back to the winning ways, and um, it's just it's just gonna take a, a run of you know maybe just three matches where they look good kind of like they did in september and just be like all right like maybe we righted the ship because right now it feels like like we take one step forward and then two step back and we'll get to the liverpool match and i'll explain that a little bit more but it's just like a team like a team that's in arsenal's position right now isn't catching any breaks um and that's partly because of the way they play and partly just because of just when things are going bad they sent they tend to go worse before they get better so (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Unlike where Liverpool is right now, where it seems like uh, <laughs> <laughs> if they fall over a rock, it's a rock made of gold. 
Yeah, so. yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Origi kind of tripped on a rock and put a put a ninety fourth minute equalizer in against you guys. I felt bad. Like that's I. Um, we can <laughs> we can we can talk about that. Uh, I did feel bad that that was against you guys because that's going to be a fun one to uh, down memory lane in the future. Um, there was a great tweet put out today. It was like a someone had taken like screenshotted all the tweets from opposition teams that Origi has done things to, and it was like. Everton's tweet about Origi 1-0 in the 96th minute. It was Barcelona. Yeah. Barcelona's tweet, Origi, Liverpool now lead on aggregate. It was Tottenham's tweet at the end of the uh, Champions League final, Origi, 2-0 Liverpool. And then it was your turn. And it just, they just captioned it like Origi's greatest hits. And it's just like, it's actually amazing to see the caliber of teams and, and the minutes that he scored those goals. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry that it had to, had to be you guys this time, but... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we're of course referencing the 5-5 Carabao Cup yes, on yeah. Wednesday of this week. Um, yeah, it was a wild one. It was uh, it was fun. Uh, I do I do wish it went to extra time um, instead of just straight to penalties because, like I, I told you and another one of our friends, like there's no way Arsenal's gonna win this with the way things are going right now. Mm. And you guys were like it's fifty fifty, and it's like not when Arsenal's. What I, what's happening with Arsenal is going on. It was like 60-40 at, at worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think I've actually watched it. I can't think of a moment where I've watched the Liverpool penalty shootout where they've been perfect in penalties. Um, and, yeah, <laughs> and, you know, you guys did only miss one. Like, it, it's, you know, you see those penalty shootouts where um, where teams will miss three. Like, it goes to, like, eight penalties because teams just keep missing yeah. at the right. Like, they'll be perfect and then they'll get the save, but then they'll miss and all that kind of thing. Um it was um it was good to see on my end um I was pretty relaxed I was pretty relaxed in the morning because I knew that Klopp like I, I'd already had in my head the uh, fixture congestion um was already playing around in my head before the match had ended and um and I'll get to Klopp's comments about that later but yeah um it was just a fun game like some banging goals like Oxley Chamberlain's yeah. volley was unreal then uh, was that Joe Willock that carried the ball Willick. yeah yep. carried the ball upfield and just put a banger into the top bin so. Um, yeah, yeah. I was not expecting that one from the kid, but uh, yeah, it was fun to see. Yeah, very. FIFA. And then there was like you know the controversy of it of you know our Arsenal's first goal was offside. Um, the penalty in the first half was on Ozil was here or there. Um, so it was just it just had it all except Arsenal losing in the end. <laughs> <laughs> it it was entertaining, but. Um, it was just those kind of matches that when things are going bad, um, you, it just feels terrible. Like you feel so deflated after it because you, your team was this close and uh, just couldn't quite get it done. Yeah, and, and that's... I think there were five minutes of extra time, so it was in the last minute that you guys. Yeah, it was one of the last added, added time last attacks that we were going to have. Yeah. Um... Yep, and it was a weird goal. It was like I don't know, <laughs> just. I mean, yeah. it was a great hit, but one of those Ugh. one of those kind of goals that happens at the end of a game where everyone's get a bit knackered and just it just falls in the yeah. right spot where you know you spend all match trying to execute uh, execute that kind of play and it doesn't happen and then it's just a desperate desperate cross in a great cross and a great finish but you know you're yeah. trying to trying to do that all match and then you finally get one although I say finally get one there was already four goals before it so it was just yeah weird match um, I blame the announcers. <laughs> They were. They <laughs> there was a lot of curse to the announcer there, um, uh, happening in that game. It was like, oh, there's more goals in this one. Oh, you know this, that, and the other. Yeah. And, um, never ending. Yeah. 
can Liverpool get back into it? And then they, they immediately score two in the space of five minutes after they say that. And yeah. Um, uh, yeah. You had like, so what was your, you, you were kind of, you know, waxing lyrical about the penalties and how, cause I was just saying, it's always, <laughs> I was just saying it's always a 50, 50 in the sense of um, just, you know, I, weird things happen in penalty shootouts. So I always just go into a thing as 50, 50, I sometimes have more confidence in um, penalty penalty takers than others, but at the same time, yeah, we started with Bellerin. It was weird. Yeah, it was. It was just again, Emery. I I don't even. It's bizarre, but Bellerin. His, his, made his, his was so. a good penalty, wasn't it? I think it went top top. It ball. was. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the only one who missed was Ceballos, and I thought um, he would actually be one of the better ones. But yeah, he just wasn't ready for that. Um, yeah, about the penalties, it was just like. I don't know if it's years of watching college football or something with momentum or just, um, I don't know. I don't even know if it's momentum, but it's just when a club is in Arsenal's position and a club is in Liverpool's position, whereas Arsenal is honestly at rock bottom, hopefully, it it probably can get worse. I know we've seen it get worse under Wanger, but when they're at rock bottom and you guys are the champions of Europe, undefeated in the EPL, so much confidence – like that matters in penalties, so it's no longer fifty yeah. fifty. Liverpool went into those penalties thinking they were going to win. Arsenal went into those penalties thinking it'd be it'd be good if they could keep up with Liverpool, mm. so to say. So when when you have those mindsets pitted against each other, the Liverpool team, the team like Liverpool, is always going to win because they have that confidence going in. That's why people love upsets because it, but that wouldn't have been really that big of an upset. So it just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> so, Snake bitten, as I told you on uh, over text, I think so. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I can understand the psychological aspect of it. I was, I think it's just because I've seen like I never expected Liverpool like that 05 Champions League, like all by rights by the players that are on the field, everything should have just gone AC Milan's way eventually. Um, mm. particularly the penalty shootout should have. Um, uh, very glad that they didn't have the uh, keeper. Uh, well, they didn't do VAR back then because Dudek was off his line. Like, a <laughs> but you know, hey, <laughs> if we went back through the history of football, you'd just find that all, all through history that you could change a million calls because that's just the development, you know, the evolution of the game. But um, mm. yeah, like that's one shootout. I could probably say that I, I would just, if I was thinking psychologically, I would have thought AC Milan. But then I think they were that shocked that they just <laughs> were in that position that, yeah. again, you might be right that there was a psychological aspect going into where Liverpool were probably actually a bit more confident because they were like, we've got them to penalties, might as well. They had all the momentum because they, they made the comeback, you know? Like yeah. AC Milan is thinking, oh, I can't believe we blew this. Liverpool's like, I can't believe we're in this. I'd much rather be on the on that team that says, I can't believe we're in this um, yeah. going into penalties and then I can't believe, like, oh, I can't believe we blew it and how close, like... It's all a mentality that goes into it. And now AC Milan, you know, things were slipping and, like, that's in their head. Like, now all the pressure's on them, basically, because Liverpool wasn't even supposed to be there. So yeah. there's a, all the psychology behind it. Um, penalty, yeah. Yeah, and I, like, I, I I did say to you, I think, before the penalty, at some point towards the end when after Origi had scored that equaliser, I said that Emery looks like someone's shit in his cereal, which was... Um, well, he always looked like that, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like you could see it in his face. Like there was just this this uh, disappointment that he looked like he he'd lost, like he felt like he'd lost it at that moment, which is never good to see that kind of body language from your manager. Because Klopp was just uh, <laughs> this this great video of yeah. like, 
great video of Klopp on the sidelines just smiling after they conceded. Like Liverpool yeah. conceded and he's just smiling and then he realizes the camera's on him and he just kind of starts clapping like, hey, let's go boys. Like, I yeah. think he was just out there having like a good time because I think he just saw the opportunity just to play the kids and see what see what happened. And yeah, like you said, mentality... things going, happened. Yeah, mentality <laughs> going into penalties probably was a major part of it because yeah, Liverpool just... Was seeing what they could get, whereas it, it seemed like it was a bit more important for Emery to try and get a big win, and that, and he was close. Like, I, would have been big. Yeah, would have been. It would have been. It would have been a nice one to kind of, uh, I don't know, right the ship a little bit. Like, win over Liverpool after you guys killed us earlier in the season would have yeah. been nice, especially at Anfield. Um, we did play a lot of a, a lot of starters, but. Um, some of our kids as well. So yeah. would have been nice. Yeah. Oh. But we can't have nice things this season. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of nice things, uh, Liverpool are in a nice position in the, that they, uh, they are going to be playing in a Club World Cup in December, but it's throwing up an interesting conundrum for uh, the uh, FA or whoever's doing the, the fixtures for this um, the League Cup is that when they're meant to be in Qatar playing a potential semi-final, uh, they're also meant to be. That's the weekend that is designated for the League Cup next round. Um, yeah. And, and Klopp has essentially said that if they they don't work out the fixture list in a, um, his press conference, he said if they don't do the right thing and make a good fixture list, don't play us at three a.m. on Christmas morning. Um, <laughs> then then uh, then he will simply pull the team out of the competition, um, which is a is a bold strategy, Cotton. Um, <laughs> But then they makes sense though. Yeah, no, it does. They've uh, and then since then they've broached the idea of like the unprecedented idea that Liverpool could actually play two games at the same time in the sense that they just they just <laughs> play the pups play. Yeah, they essentially play the under twenty threes like because they'd obviously take a squad of including some of the guys that would have been out there last night um, or the night before to Qatar. Like they've got to take a decent squad over to be able to compete in that. So. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure where that's going to go, but it does highlight the um, increasingly problematic issue that the Premier League has this time every year. Um, Liverpool played two games in 48 hours last year and, and the year before as well with this this cup congestion. Um, City, Pep Guardiola is complaining about that at some point this Christmas they're going to have to play two games in 48 hours. Um, bit, bit... Um, I don't have too much sympathy for him because he started complaining how Liverpool have it so much easier, and we were like, "Mate, we got to go. <laughs> we got to go to fucking Qatar in December during all this. Like, I don't know how we have it easier, but um, and we've and you know all Premier League teams at some point have had to do the two games in forty eight hours at this point over the last five years. But it does, yeah. Um, Klopp particularly comes from the German league where um, I remember his first season here. He didn't actually realize until it got to it that we don't do a winter break. Um, we the Premier League. Um, yeah, <laughs> and well, I don't think winter breaks obviously ever going to happen. But it does does I don't know how they're going to fix the fixture congestion. I'm just bringing it up just to say it's it is ridiculous and it's something that um, potentially as fans, it's just I'd prefer to see less games. At, like I love watching all the football around Christmas, but I'd be happy to see one or two games less in December if it meant um, the teams were going to be better rested. Because it's always my biggest worry every December is how we're going to manage this team through. And get through without injuries, and and it is really this time of year that you could start seeing those soft tissue injuries and all that kind of that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, and you know you don't want to you don't want to be losing your Aubameyangs, your Agueros, your um, I'm just being completely objective at the moment. All those big players, mm-hmm. your Mane, Salas, 
um, at this time of year due to just being overplayed. Because um, we're expecting to see these guys in all the big games, but uh, with that many games, they're going to have to be rested if they're going to, and then that could derail seasons. And, and, and if they do feel like the pressure's on to play them in every match, then the potential for some big injuries are there too. So, yeah. Well, I think the simple solution would be less international breaks. I think we all want that anyway. And if there are international breaks, playing the playing still playing the cup fixtures. And it's like you can play your young guys then, mm-hmm. you know? Like I just think that would be the be- the best thing. I think we have another international break coming up this month. It's like what, what are we doing them monthly now? What what are what's going on? Like I don't I don't understand it, especially just for friendlies. Um, it makes no sense to me, and it it really takes away the flow of the season. And like you said, adds way too many games to a convoluted uh, December schedule. So, like, maybe schedule the international breaks better would be my suggestion. Yeah, I mean, less internationals or... Uh... Oh, I, I don't know because all these cup competitions, yeah, there's not much. You know, Champions League, the round, the group stage works. Um, you've got to have the six group stage matches, so you can't change that. Um, unless you're going to shorten the Premier League by a couple of games, but then it's not going to. It makes the draw completely uneven because it is you play everyone twice. So that's not that's not a solution. So yeah, the the elephant in the room is the is the international breaks. And um, oh, look, I understand Euro qualifiers and all that kind of thing, but I think that can be planned better. And yeah, just don't have the friendlies like nearly as much. The year, this Nations League thing did make it interesting at least, but it was still an annoyance because we knew that these guys were leaving for um, international duty all these times. And there was a few, I think Liverpool had a few niggling injuries come back from them last year, not too much. Not luckily, I think Shakira. And why can't they just do it in the summer? I know there's competitions in the summer, but like this year there, there really wasn't. I mean, maybe there were some, but like, Move, yeah. move more international matches, especially if they're for qualifying for the World Cup or whatever, put them in the summer because that's when you're going to play the World Cup anyway. Mm. So it's just, international break has just always been the thorn in the side of every soccer fan. So yeah, especially like if you don't really care about your national team. So it's just like, yeah. yeah I, I, mean, think, I, I, I love the international football when it comes to World Cup and Euros. But yeah, it's just... And I think I think the way qualifying and all that works, you're going to need a few. There's going to have to be. There will always be a couple of international breaks, but I think they can cut it. They can halve it and still end up with the same results. They always say, "Oh, we we want to have the team in camp more so they can get used to each other." They're never going to get. It's just going to be the best coach that can get the team together the quickest at at those tournaments is still going to win. Like all these international breaks aren't going to help because they spend a week with the team and quickly get get to know a new system and then they go back to their club where they play the same system year after year so mm-hmm. yeah that that excuse doesn't fly with me so yeah that is the solution to the problem but i don't think it'll ever <laughs> be solved because no one that there's too much money involved from fifa for all these na- like that's why they built the nation's league idea to bring more competition into the friendlies um and yeah yeah it's it's only going to get worse um i think oh well I don't know how many more games they can squeeze in, but I just think we're just going to be dealing with this year after year. Well, I'm pretty sure they're doing one in November when I looked at it. So yeah, there is one coming up soon. I think that's three straight three straight months of it, yeah. um, which I just makes no sense to me. But uh, I've yeah, only I mean, been a fan for like ten years or so. So yeah, you could cut the November one out. I just have the you know September October have a couple of international breaks there, and then not have one 
until February, March, when when you've gotten through this Christmas congestion and all that, because then you'd, you'd spread that and that international break would pull some of those games out of December into November again, and and just and just ease it a little bit. You know, it's still going to be tough because I think you know teams like Liverpool and and City and whatnot that are in three different cup competitions are just gonna are gonna have that issue. So. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, Arsenal has three matches um, from tomorrow. They have three matches in a week, and then they have an international break. So it's like, well, could we? <laughs> Is there any way this could work better? You know, like I don't know. Yeah, I certainly appreciate guys like Klopp coming out and just straight up saying, "Hey, I'll just I'll just pull my team from the competition if you don't do the right thing." So you know, that's the kind of thing that is needed from the managers and the teams is to kind of just put that into the into the um into the discussion that hey we're not happy about it i'm not sure there's much you can do but at least just keep this in mind because we're not happy and um and these are the kind of things that these are the drastic measures that we may have to take if you don't don't work to improve this just clusterfuck of a situation that we're in (laughs) (laughs) yeah basically yeah yeah we'll see like you said i don't see it going I don't think it's going to get any better. <laughs> yeah, nah, it's probably not going to. We're going to be maybe if Liverpool it. does have to get pulled out of it, maybe then they will. Maybe they'll rethink it a little bit, but I doubt it. Yeah, I think that I think the um, thing that the weird thing that will happen there is that if they can't move the the fixture to a time when they can actually have, be in the country, then that weird situation of having them play the pups while the other team, the first team's over in Qatar, could happen, which. That'd be interesting. Watch two Liverpool. It'd be games. cool. Yeah, yeah. Watch two Liverpool games in the same day with completely different squads. Like that would be a little bit. It's nice. the dream. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It would just just be just sitting in front of the TV with a keg of beer all day. <laughs> Go Liverpool. Yeah. yeah. yeah someone, I mean, some, someone rings you six hours later. I oh, know. I'm still watching the Liverpool game. What? Still watching the game. Yeah. No, the, the different one this time. No, same Liverpool, yeah. different players. Yeah. No, the yeah. same team. Yeah. Be a, be a fun one to explain to someone who doesn't. Um, it's, it's even hard to try to explain to a football fan, let alone someone who's not a football fan. So, yeah, yeah. only in this crazy <laughs> sport that we love could that kind of thing be happening. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, speaking of cup competitions, um, stateside. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> look, what, not excited. Yeah, no. I don't. I don't, I don't really want to talk about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go Toronto, I guess. Um, I guess. Yeah, um, th- this just makes a fool of us all because we we were. <laughs> what was I saying? Like in every second pod, this the last three months, it's LAFCs to lose. It's LAFCs to lose, and then they lost it before. Well, they, they even, lost it before they even <laughs> so, got there. So. Yeah, and of course we're speaking of the M- or, uh, MLS Cup final um, for I the lo- third time in four years. I love uh, that I just start just start rambling into yeah. a subject, and then you go. By the way, <laughs> this is what we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> Toronto at Seattle this time. First time the match is going to be held in Seattle. The last two were at Toronto and they split them. Um, is this good or bad for the league? Do you think? Uh, for the matchup or just uh, I think um, just the same matchup for three time three times in four years. Um, I think it's I think the league would prefer if if you had like LAFC playing New York. Um, Three times in four <laughs> yeah. years, they'd love that. Um, this one seems a bit. Seattle certainly is a team that the league has lent on a little bit for their um, marketing. Um, Toronto is probably a bit of an outlier, so yeah, probably not. I, I wouldn't say the le- <laughs> league's is stoked about it, but they, they're gonna they're gonna lean into the fact that it's the you know you could say it's the best of three final. Um, 
Yeah, I'm not going to say it's terrible for the league because the league the league's kind of had fun. Every you know, Portland Columbus would be. Like, I mean that that is yeah. a final. Like if you if you were trying to trying to rope a fan from Europe into like watching the MLS Cup final and they go like Portland Columbus, like where are, where are those places? <laughs> yeah. um, at least Seattle is even in, Portland Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least Seattle and Toronto are two cities that um you know around the world we kind of know. Like I, I you know I've always you know Toronto's a big city and then seattle's a city that's um in popular culture pretty well throughout both tv and movies and and everyone everyone knows the space needle and um i remember Mm. i I remember watching austin powers the spy who shagged me i think i think it was the second one where they the starbucks is the front for dr evil's yeah yeah and it was the space yeah it was the space needle (laughs) like i that's yeah, there so, you go. And it's all rainy. Yeah, so yeah. Seattle's not and sleepless in Seattle. You know, yeah, all yeah. that, all that good stuff. Um, yeah. so I think yeah, it's, it's kind of a it's not terrible. It's but... a frustrating result, but for Timbers fans at least. But it is cool that obviously you wish it was the Timbers who had three of the uh, last five MLS Cup uh, appearances compared to Seattle, but. Timbers still have two, and that makes it for the league's best rivalry. That means the last five MLS Cup uh, finalists from the West are either Portland or Seattle, which is pretty impressive with um, the likes of um, of which the Galaxy had put together, over, and then LAFC now, who was by far the best team in yeah, and MLS I mean, and this Port- year. Portland does it without the league's hand up its ass like Seattle does, so you know that's even better for us. <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um I will say that it's cool that Seattle was one of alongside Portland was one of the biggest proponents of the removing the iron front band and their work up there um was a big part of getting that band removed. So it is I mean it's cool that they're kind of getting rewarded. I'm st- I still will root against them and stuff, but um I've seen that on the United Front Twitter like people saying like, "Oh, like this is for standing up for your rights." Like they they earned this, and it's kind of like yeah, that's that's a cool way to look at it. That's like a way I can stomach it at least. I guess. Yeah, I guess, I, guess, I can imagine Vince <laughs> is just sitting there going, "Yeah, I was in the stands at Portland every week, and we got fuck all from all this our standing up." So I guess it's like, yeah, it's a cool story for Seattle to lean on, lean on. But yeah, Portland just got screwed in every possible way this season <laughs> with yeah. both that that and um, the refereeing decisions down the stretch that. You know, we who knows how the playoffs would have gone if we grabbed a few extra points there and maybe had a better position. Yeah, not playing in the snow would have been nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Started the season in the snow and ended the season in the snow. It's a little, yeah. a little weird. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, not fun. Yeah. Uh, not that I've watched too much of either Seattle or Toronto this year, but um, any any predictions for how, how you think it'll go both i mean i know where your heart's at but um where's your head, <laughs> yeah. where your head's at my my prediction will come from the heart but with a little from the head um toronto is on one right now um you know i think they beat red bulls uh in the first round um in a cracking match yeah. uh that went to uh extra time um no that might have been philly though <laughs> again this is a western conference podcast <laughs> but Toronto has been on one. Uh, no, they they killed DC United in the first match. That's right. They killed D, uh, Rooney and DC United five one in the first match, and then was that the one that they went, went on to extra to... extra time and they just belted four in an extra time? Was I think so. Yeah. yeah, and then they beat NYCFC, which was the Eastern Conference's LAFC this year. I think the MLS thought they were finally going to get like 
their expansion bowl <laughs> with NYCFC versus LAFC. But, you know, some of these teams who have been in the league a little bit longer just kind of know what it's like more. But NY, NYCFC has always been terrible in the playoffs, and LAFC is kind of going that way. I don't know what it is. I think it's just, like, these star-studded clubs who are just, like, smacked together without much thought, like, are great in the regular season and great for ticket sales, but they don't. They don't they don't have that team mentality to win when it comes to October and now November. So we'll see. I know MLS is really proud of all of the clubs it's adding to the league with Austin and St. Louis and Sacramento, but it's like I don't know. Three of your last four finals have still been the same team, so does it really matter that you're adding teams? You know, it does for those fan bases, so that's cool, but it does worry me that it's growing a little bit um fast for itself yeah yeah no it's always been my worry is that it would get to a point where um a tipping point where it'll uh start regressing you know like if you're talking in an economic sense there'll be you know the bubble will burst or something like that but um yeah look you know sacramento what they just got announced a couple weeks ago and austin's coming in miami's got this building their stadium like it's i mean i can't even fathom where the league will be and about they they want to get to I think they just want to get to the, around the thirty thirty two teams like the other major leagues have which is nuts considering all of the the other leagues we follow are like you know the European leagues are twenty yeah, yeah 18, twenty to twenty two yeah but they also play just a straight um, table system whereas when when you got playoffs and two conferences I can see why thirty to thirty two teams if it's sustainable um, will work. Um, and then it depends if they ever go to the, the which we can do a whole pot of that one day about um, relegation in the in the American sports market, which is something I still don't know. If well, I just, it won't work here. It just won't work both. I don't. I don't think it'll work both economically and as well as fans. Um, but it's just such an when you when you've got a league that's uh, parity with salary cap and all that, it just relegation doesn't work with that. Um, it. It's culturally accepted in Europe, and and teams with yeah. different different um, wage structures and obviously mon- and financial capabilities. They just accept that you know they're going to come up and down, and and you know le- some weird stories like Leicester can happen. But I just can't imagine it happening in the US. But anyway, that's just completely sidetracked. <laughs> to well, a way it could go would be to just have whoever wins the Western Conference table and whoever wins the Eastern Conference table play for the cup i i think um is the way it's going because i don't i don't understand how they're going to do playoffs with with so many teams unless they won eight teams from both conferences in the 30 league team so then it's like the nba yeah but yeah i don't know i just i worry about it a little bit just because i don't want like I want the Timbers to play Vancouver and Seattle a bunch. You know, I want those rivalries to matter. I don't want it to become oversaturated where it's like it's like we're trading in a Vancouver match to go to Miami, even though that stadium looks great or like will look great when they finish it. But yeah, I just I think the regional rivalries in the MLS are huge, and I feel like by adding so many teams everywhere, it kind of throws it off a little bit. But who knows? Maybe Austin. Austin FC and Dallas will have a huge rivalry now or something. Yeah, that'll be that'll be fun. Austin will be a fun away trip. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. like St. Louis, are they going to be rivals with Chicago? It's just like no one cares. No, they'll, they'll <laughs> just probably just both be terrible, and they can play for their um, 
their, their little cup there along, along the free or whatever whatever the fucking freeway is between those two cities and 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 play for that cup while they're mired in 13th and 14th on the table so that's fine yeah i guess that's true i don't know i'm not into it i just don't want to talk about the mls cup final so i'm deflecting as far as possible <laughs> Uh, no, we can, we can, we can skip past that. Um, yeah. I mean, I just, Toronto is playing well right now. They beat NYCFC, but obviously Seattle beat LAFC away. That's a big, that's a big win. Yeah. Um, they they, a lot of their players have been here before, but so have Toronto. So, you know, um, I just also don't really get the, the MLS playoff schedule. Um, just kind of just slapping matches here and there when they can. And then the final isn't until a week from tomorrow. So why are you playing midweek matches? You know, um, like there's no rhyme or reason to how the schedule kind of went. Yeah, I, I, still, I think they, they, cause they did the, they went to this one match knockout thing this year. And uh, I don't think they, yeah, I think it's been, I think they're still working it out. Um, and yeah, they'll just throw on matches in and they're trying to, they're doing it at the time. The time the World Series is on and football's going. That's true. Going college and, football, and NBA yeah. starting, and they're just trying to. And they the MLS, even though it's grown, they're still trying to fit it. They, they still want to maximize their exposure by not clashing, I guess. So, um, I can understand. But it's it, weird. But at, but at the same yeah. time, you know, at some point, you've got to just say, "Look, we'll 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 back ourselves here and and put the game on because of the fans, you know, Timbers fans." If they're in a playoff match, I know Vince. You know Vince is an Oregon Ducks season ticket holder and a Timbers season ticket holder, mm-hmm. and he just picks the match that's more important, essentially. Um, yeah, yeah. So you know that the people will prioritize. Um, you know. Mm. So yeah, I just didn't get the like first week they played on the weekend. Um, all six games were um, in on Saturday or Sunday, and then the next week it was wednesday and thursday it's like you're not even giving them a week off for an even bigger playoff matchup it's just yeah but then i don't know it's like they should have played the first round on wednesday and thursday then if they're gonna do that rather than just kind of i don't know it just seems really all over the place so hopefully they fix that if they're gonna stay with this single elimination format which is uniquely american yeah which i think they're gonna need to as the league expands because I mean, you mentioned your idea of just having the top of the table play each other for the final, but then if you had a thirty league team, thirty team league, uh, with with that kind of system, then you just the fans would just die away, you know, towards the end of the season if because you'd you'd come down to a one or two three horse race, and yeah. The rest of the table, so yeah, if it goes to thirty to thirty two teams, I think you're gonna end up with the eight team playoff and very NBA style, you know, obviously not seven seven games to decide each round but you know, yeah you'd have one v eight you know two v seven yeah kind of yeah matchups eating itself down from there um which i think it could be some fun. i think seven's good i think seven's a good number because um so I have, think, have the top team get the buy through yeah yeah I yeah that worked you, that, that you should work. be rewarded for winning the regular season conference title yeah for sure you know like lafc was and they i mean you get home field but like but getting that buy is also huge even though it might have hurt them against Seattle, I don't know. Or well, they beat the Galaxy first, but yeah. Look, I don't. I don't think they buy. It. We we have. They, they often talk about this in um Australian sports too, because um Australian football. There's a buy between the minor round and the start of the playoffs, and then the top teams. If you get through, if you win your first match, you get another buy. 
because you go straight into the preliminary final before the grand final and and there's always every year the discussion is oh is that gonna they're gonna have too much rest and usually the team the team that had the two buys this year um they smashed the they had the third biggest grand final winning record ever so <laughs> didn't didn't hurt them yeah. too much um i think if you if you're a well coached team and you and you're fit um it's just down to how well you're coached and managed and how well the players are prepared for the day um yeah i i, I don't buy into the yeah one, one week off changes everything thing because if you're a good team <laughs> and the manager's got you got you right and um and everyone's in the right mindset that's 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 what it's all about it's and you know they always say sports is 90 percent between the years um so yeah um well when it comes to the world series it, before this year teams were one in six if after they swept their champions league or champions league <laughs> championship <laughs> series um so the Nats at now it's two and six, but still yeah. like having all that time off in baseball because baseball is such a day to day game. I think so. Yeah, I guess it does that, depend yeah. on this. It depends on the sport, but yeah, I think the more rest you have as a soccer player, <laughs> the better because it just is so much. It's just so much running and like, like you were kind of talking about with Liverpool playing a couple games in forty eight hours. It's so hard on your legs to run that much. And, it's cold weather. Um, the ground's hard, and you're wearing metal spikes, probably. So yeah. it's not good for your legs. Yeah, and there's so, and all the sports science these days says like the recovery time you need from doing that kind of exertion. To I, I remember reading something after Liverpool played those two games. They said like the sports scientists are losing their mind when they see things like that happen because they know the muscle, you know, just recovery that is needed after what you. Especially if you have a guy like you know Andy Robertson running the flanks like all match like his his leg, <laughs> yeah. you know he and you do see him as good as he is if he has a run of matches like he does start to even though he doesn't he's always running as hard as he can but you can just see he's not as sharp towards the end of matches yeah so it's just yeah you, it, it's 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 baffling to me that the more sports science understand that we have of how athletes work the more the more strain we're putting on them and, and having complete disregard for them. But yeah, somehow. Cause the people in charge aren't athletes, you know, that's yeah. what it really comes down to. And they don't really have the athletes best interests at heart. <laughs> so yeah. I think we need to give up on that fairy tale. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. We've come, we've come somehow rounded ourselves back to that discussion, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just going to end, um, we, we, I did say off air on the pod, but I, I meant to say at the start, and I'll probably put an introduction in anyway. But um, we're not doing any preview stuff and stuff that's happening this weekend because one, there's not any major matchups, and two, this pod will probably only get released um, after halfway <laughs> through the weekend or after because uh, I've got just just got so much on that I'll probably only yeah. be editing them this time tomorrow, maybe, and then by the time they're uploaded, it'll be most of the way through the Premier League weekend. But um, just. Results of note that one that nine nil Leicester City smashing <laughs> Southampton. I didn't think that could happen, um, particularly and like City when City beat uh, who did they beat eight nil back a few weeks ago? It was Watford. Watford. <laughs> that one, you know, that was that was astounding in itself. But it was like, oh, well, City, like you know, they're gonna they're gonna do that occasionally because they literally got the best, the most expensive squad in the world. So. That kind of, but when you, when you've got Leicester in the rain doing that to away at Southampton, it's just like unreal and shows how bad Southampton are. Like that's just yeah. I felt terrible for those fans. Like um, 
that that your team's probably going to get relegated, and they're going to get relegated with some embarrassing results. Um. Yeah, Leicester might be the re- the real deal, though. Um, yeah, yeah. That's what. That was I'm about. afraid of them right now. Arsenal play them in a couple weeks, so mm-hmm. that'll be a big test for Leicester. Um, I know you guys beat them, but uh, oh, that was a tough one too. We uh, yeah, yeah scraped through that they, one. I mean, they just came out of the ranks, and uh, they look like a top four team right now, especially yeah. compared to the way United and Arsenal are playing. So yeah, and actually, was, I, I expect them to be in the running all year. Yeah, and I actually just trying to think back to the game. We actually played pretty well against them, but they were tough to break down. Like we had a lot of the play. But they were really tough to break down, and then they got one chance and slotted a goal, and then luckily we got a late, a late penalty, I think it was, and um, we were able to get the three points. But um, yeah, they were really tough to break down, and really organised, and then when they finally got a chance, I think they only had one shot shot on goal the entire match, and they scored it. Um, so clinical, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, no, they're just they're well managed, and um, that, that was really where I was going with it. Is um, you know, I've got I've got my. Uh, thoughts both good and bad about Brendan Rodgers as a manager I think oh yeah but I think I think he's actually matured um since um I think he had a bit of I think he got so excited that Liverpool run we had where we almost won the title league he really he did a lot for us in that time because our team wasn't that great like you know Colo Toure was a bad was a, a central part of that squad for a little part of the season there yeah and, those, those were rough years um but um, his his progress and and yeah towards the end of the season like I think he just he got out, out coached by Jose Mourinho in that match that Chelsea beat us towards the end there that um, and just that was just a little bit of youth youthful um, naivete in that match that ultimately went a, went a ways to costing us the title but you know we went to Celtic and had you know I mean uh, when you've got the best team in, in Scotland, um, you know, but Rangers were slowly on their way back up at the time, but he had undefeated seasons up there and won, won a bag of trophies. Mm-hmm. And he's come back to the Premier League a little bit more mature, a little bit more seasoned, and um, probably maybe, you know, I don't want to say he's maybe about where his level is, which is he's a really good manager, not quite at the level of coaching, a, you know, Liverpool, United, but Leicester is seems to be the perfect fit for him and he's doing a great job yeah i think he was always meant to manage a a club at that level maybe not like you know one of the big four big six um or a team like celtic was perfect for him too so hopefully he found his home and it'd be cool if lester was good i mean it sucks for arsenal but um anytime you know a team like that can compete with the best teams in the epl it's fun yeah and it, it, it is an interesting little Little next chapter in their story as well, because we all, um, I mean, I, I, I remember when they won the title and we were all talking about, oh, I wonder if we should put money on them getting relegated the year after they win the title, because you know, yeah, it's such, yeah. a, such a weird ride to the title and and their team started breaking up pretty soon after that. You know, I think Conte mm. immediately, he left for Chelsea straight after that title, I'm pretty sure. And then, you know, Mares did stick around for another year or two and there was rumors about Vardy leaving, but he seems to be, he's a lifer there now, I think, but... I think um, so. I don't think anybody wants to deal with him and his wife. <laughs> yeah, his his wife selling, selling selling stories and all that stuff. Um, yeah, gonna, I don't think yeah, I don't think he's gossip, super well liked. I don't I don't think he's super well liked in England. Uh, it seems so. Yeah, well, yeah, he had an interesting career up like his um, yeah, likes a pint. Um, but he's the kind of guy. Yeah. That, he's kind of guy that likes a pint and likes to I think fight when he has a pint. Is my impression of him. Um. 
Yeah. So, yeah. But, you know. He just, yeah, he has one of those faces. Just. Yeah. You hate to see it. <laughs> I do, especially when he's scoring against my team. But yeah. luckily he hasn't done that for a while. But, um, but yeah, no, it's cool to see, uh, particularly for the Premier League, um, you know, maybe it's not good when your team's one of the ones in a battle with them for a top four spot. But as far as the parity in the in the Premier League, you know, it's it's continually the best league in the world for that. Although you've got Granada um, leading the, well, second in the La Liga at the moment. But, and they've just, yeah, you probably haven't. Yeah, they're uh, no. they just they just got <laughs> they just got promoted last year and they they're up and the, they were top of the table briefly until Barcelona won their last match. But so you know you have those stories that come around in different leagues, but the Premier League is the one that's constantly providing them year after year um, with these teams. You know, teams like Leicester being able to go and win nine nil against against Southampton and be sitting pretty in the top four. Um, uh, you know, a decent chunk of the way into the season now. Um, so they're they're a team that. If they stay fit and and keep playing the football they are, they will be one of the teams that actually might knock a Tottenham and Arsenal, sorry, a United out of the top four. You know, Chelsea. I'd like, rather be battling with them than Tottenham or United. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather them make it than either of those clubs. So yeah, and, and yeah, you're welcome. By the way, for getting another win on Tottenham over the weekend. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was yeah, I was not happy with you guys right away because it was like. <laughs> I think it was 1-0 in the first minute, so I was like, what, yeah, the, yeah. what the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah, well, though, by the end of the match, there was, a lot of, there was a lot of good fun Twitter banter about, um, you know, because there, there was everyone retweeting the tweets of Tottenham fans in the Champions League final, like, oh, if we'd gotten a first-minute goal, we would have won as well, and then everyone was like, all right. Well, well, you we, didn't get a first-minute goal, so fuck off. <laughs> yeah, well, then everyone was like, well, we gave you a first-minute goal at Anfield, and then you still lost, so. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was all yeah. the stuff like, oh, the Los Scales, they get so lucky. And it's like, fucking Kane's goal came from a deflected deflected shot yeah. onto the bar that deflected right in front of him. So, you know, football's football, it happens. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that was like the only chance Tottenham had is to get uh, to get an early goal like that and just hopefully ride it out. And it was just like, well, you're not going to ride it out. You're not that good this season. So, yeah. With all of Arsenal's struggles uh, going on, they're still above Tottenham. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's that's really the uh, the blight on Tottenham is the fact that Arsenal are Arsenal are having rumours about Mourinho coming in as manager. Which um, actually, we can Fuck end no. we, we can end the pod talking about that in a sec. Well, I just got your reaction, really, but um, <laughs> I don't want that. Yeah, <laughs> but you guys are in that position and still above Tottenham. So yeah, yeah. Think. Uh, my buddy Nate texted me and said, "Oh, Mourinho's open to uh, open to the Arsenal coaching job." And I think my response was, "Well, I'm open to shagging Rebecca Lowe, but I don't see it happening." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, I would really like Mikel Arteta. Um, I think he's served under Pep for quite a while now, and he also coached at Arsenal. Um, even yeah, when he was still job. playing for us, he's a, I would I would definitely take him right now. Um, don't want Mourinho, obviously. Um, I toyed around with, um, also in that same conversation with Nate, uh, that get Wanger back because he, <laughs> cause he said he's, he wants to coach still. So, yeah. and, he, and Nate's reaction was that'd be so Arsenal. <laughs> I mean, I'd take him right now compared to the way Emery's managing this club. And I would also like to see what Wanger would do with, um, all of this, like with a, a young Pepe and a young Ceballos, um, 
and he would actually play Ozil, which would be nice. I still don't really understand what's going on with the the Ozil thing. It seems to just be a freeze out until they they sell him in January. But Ozil wants to play, and if he's if he's not playing, then he's not getting reps that clubs who are going to take on his type of salary are going to want to see. So are like Emery's just completely at sixes and sevens as a manager. There's nothing. He has nothing going right for him, and it's all his fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like, so. said, yeah, and as I said before, that his face after Liverpool scored said everything I needed to know. Unfortunately, um, as far as what I can see is, is just yeah, he just looks looks out of his depth and looks a little bit lost for ideas, and you don't want to be seeing that kind of body language. It's just yeah, it's 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 rough. I didn't follow his career heavily when he was at PSG, but I was talking to another Arsenal fan. Um, in class yesterday and he was just like yeah he has a a humongous problem dealing with superstars and their attitudes going back to psg he just always had always had problems with um dealing with egos and stuff like that and so and you're seeing that with ozil and like when you're blowing 2-0 leads because your midfield's terrible there's obviously a space for ozil on this on this team and when you have one of the best front lines in the league you need somebody to get him the ball. And as good as Xhaka is at those intangibles that we were talking about earlier, he's not getting those guys the balls that they need. And neither is Guendouzi and neither is Ceballos because Ceballos is still a pup. So it's just like, why aren't, why aren't you playing Ozil? Yeah. Just, at first it was understandable because Ozil was public enemy number one with Arsenal fans. But now he's fallen way down the list with Emery and, now Xhaka, unfortunately, and a few other players. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just weird. I, I would like to see Ozil in the squad tomorrow, but um, trotting him out there with the young guys on uh, Wednesday was kind of a slap in the face as well. So, and then taking him off in the 70th minute when the game was still very up for grabs, and putting on Guendouzi, who is, I love him, but he's kind of a loose, loose cannon. <laughs> Turns yeah, the ball over and gets. The commentator, yeah. commentator saying that uh, Gwen Doozy was being brought in to shore up the midfield a little bit. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, he is like that kind of like, he's not an offensive guy, so he is more of like a holding um, defensive mid, but he, he did. That, he's, just the way that, that game was going, I was like, this game isn't going to be held back. Like, yeah, I mean, Willick, yeah. Willick went forward and scored shortly after that, I think. Yeah. Was it after Which that? he can yeah. do. Yeah. But then, you know, but, Liverpool poured it on again. Like, it just was a game that was just going to be chaos. And I think it, you would have, yeah. if Ozil was fit enough to stay on the field, he would have wanted to keep that class out there. He didn't look happy being taken off. And Emery came out and said that it was planned. And it's like, didn't look planned, dude. Like, like Ozil didn't seem happy. Like, yeah, and, yeah. and you can change a plan, too, like, based on what's going on. You don't have to stick to that fucking plan, which he always, ugh, he's so bad. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> it's frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm getting that impression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, w- I wish we had like the audio, just audios, audio snippets, uh, video snippets in the pod, just just to be able to show you just you you scratching your forehead, just rubbing it with complete frustration right now. Well, I like to say like I'd like to like you know try to keep a positive attitude now that I'm a little bit older and like. You know, in your 20s, you can be angry all the time and get away with it. But when you get older, like, nobody likes an angry old man. So try to stay positive with this team. But then when I start laying out, out the laundry list of just bullshit that Emery is putting the, the fan base through 
at the moment, uh, it does get frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> um, so wrap it up. How, how, are you, how are you feeling about Wolves on the weekend then? I mean, I'm never going to be at a point with this club where I don't think they'll beat Wolves at home. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think they'll win. Yeah. Um, I thought they'd win on Sunday. <laughs> I thought they'd win last Monday. And I guess for all, for all intents and purposes, they did. They were they in a position to win. They let it get back, and then that that goal that was ruled out was bullshit. So, um, oh yeah, so yeah. I mean, yeah, that that's that we can our weekly our weekly anti VAR um, moment. Um, uh, I think you sent five texts to me that said "fuck VAR." So. Um, yeah, I was into my cups a little bit. Yeah, I was just waking up at like, uh, yeah, it was like fucking five a.m. I was getting ready to do the ten-hour drive back from Phillip Island, and yeah. I was you know switching onto Liverpool game, and we just literally just scored, and um, everything was good. And then you just sending through fuck VAR. I was like, oh, if you're saying that, I know it's like something serious, and that was an egregious error that one uh, to actually overturn it for that um, for what was just a fucking just. A, a box shambles that happens like there was no there was, was no foul there if well, it was any foul it was a penalty on the two crystal palace defenders yeah, on Cham- and, chambers ended up on his ass he was yeah, the only and like, to, to me it was just two players that kicked to the ball and came together it was like unless you can find fault one way or the other it's just it's just play on and especially the fact that it was play on and then they go back and overturn it you know that's the weird part yeah, yeah. one one week it's clear and obvious the next week it's oh fuck it we'll overturn it like they, they don't even have the same the, the same uh, system every week to how they're coming to their decisions. And we've talked about it at length and we, I, I wanted to wrap this pod up, so I'm not going to get too much into it, but um, I, I certainly can see that you're, you're very much in agreement that the VAR is just absolutely abhorrent at the moment. I'd just, if I was the Premier League, I'd just like, just fucking get rid of it the rest of the season and just, and reevaluate. Like, yeah. Well, you, There's you, no way they're going to do that. But. No, they're not. They're, I think we're all going to have to accept that the VAR area is upon us, but, we don't have to accept the um, absolute misuse and um, you know just incompetence that is part that that is how they're using it at the moment because it is a storyline almost every weekend and and it shouldn't be. Um, we've seen pl- we see plenty of sports around the world. Um, you know, uh, I was watching the Rugby World Cup match and um, their 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 use of video review is just so good. It's very clear. Uh, the co- the uh, referees we can hear their discussions th- in the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they and they they explain it to the on field guys like they they actually they kind of explain it run through it really clearly as to why they came to the decision and usually the captains are like yeah okay cool like <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah. very simple and and but it's because they have they have such a clear understanding of the rules and they're only overturning things that are like that are black and white and um, yeah if that 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 on field call was fine it was a goal and then there was the the there's no re- nothing in the video, so it should have just been like, yeah, we've reviewed it, and they can explain it to the captains who reviewed it. It was a, uh, uh, it was you know, contact fifty fifty. They didn't. There was no clear error on either side, so it was uh, the call on the field stands, or it's confirmed a goal. Um, if you want to go with the American standard that confirmed and stands is two different things, but yeah, it should have been confirmed as a goal. Um, should didn't really even need to go to VAR, but if they are wanting to just look at everything to make sure of it, that's fine. But it should have should have been confirmed as a goal rather than completely overturned. And it's just a thing where it was never explained. It was never explained what the foul was. Yeah. They never said, we were all in the bar just watching, just like, why? Just 
somebody tell us why yeah but, like nobody's telling us anything and it's just like oh it's overturned okay i so that's so we just so now we're just going to draw with crystal palace mm-hmm. like is again it kind of goes back to what i was saying about just like the momentum of a club and where arsenal is right now it's like that's just why they should have got the winner and then who knows what happens against liverpool if they're coming off a win rather than a frustrating draw yeah so yeah no yeah is. i'm not a big fan of var right now yeah <laughs> i don't think right. it's going anywhere so just have yeah. to but it grin and bear. Yeah, like i said it doesn't mean we as fans and whoever else who wants to get involved with it can't completely protest the the use of it because it is just being completely misused i could i was fine with referees fucking up here and there like the egregious one still pissed you off but you're like it's human error it's what it is teams get it here and there but when it's just it, it's unreal that this is just being so it's just so disastrous at the moment i thought yeah. it, i thought it was going to have some issues i didn't think it was going to be this bad like the, what that one yours on the weekend was just one of the most glaring examples of how badly used and and they don't even know like if the ref if they had to come out and explain it i think they'd essentially just be like they wouldn't have an explanation or they'd make something up and and, and then the video would just tell a different story anyway so yeah it's going to be a rough rough year for that um rough couple of years possibly yeah yeah totally agree <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's, just, it's such a great way to wrap up the pod. Um, <laughs> just anger at the front, anger at the back. From yeah, me, so <laughs> it's been it's been one of those. Yeah, one of those. I mean, I I didn't dwell too much on like Liverpool had a decent week, but um, I didn't want to rub that. Yeah, what's new? Move yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to rub that in your face too much. Um, yeah, um, you know, at some point it'll go downhill again for us. So you'll you'll get your you'll get your you'll get your shots in here somewhere in the future. Um, uh, no, <laughs> I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see Arsenal ever being good again. So that's I, the I, uh, that's the Emirates Field report. <laughs> Back to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm uh, completely miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm completely miserable. Uh, fuck. I was gonna say Highbury, and then I was like, I'm North North London. North London. <laughs> Milk was a bad choice. Yeah. Shay's in yeah, a, iced coffee is about to be a bad choice, but I'm going to get there. Yeah, yeah. Shay's in a hundred-year-old mill of emotion. Uh, <laughs> From the mill. <laughs> Shay Carlson. Uh, ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, again, it would be great to be a video pod because you're just pulling at your hair and it going everywhere just there. It's just <laughs> the perfect perfect image for that. But like balmy here and i like my hair's like throwing out a little bit it's, oh, it's weird it's mental it's here it's disgusting I, I actually don't think the rains come through on the pod at all which is good because even though it's just rain sounds it um but yeah it's it's really weird weather here too like because it's, it's summer but you know rain, it's raining and there's thunderstorms and it's just fucking electricity in the air and that weird muggy feeling um i hate that like my hands are sticky right now it's yeah. like I, i'm hoping it's going to become a little bit more like fall fall like weather because it's november now i guess i don't understand yeah. connecticut at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah no you're, you're heading into winter soon i don't know you guys you we'll guys be getting some snowfall there at some point soon wouldn't you that that a thing there uh i don't know it's supposed to be pretty temperate <laughs> moving okay. forward it was like 70 degrees yesterday fuck that and okay. it was like in the 20s in nebraska so it was just, i don't even understand what's happening yeah 
don't know, climate change. I don't know. And then it got, right, yeah. Los Angeles is burning. So, yeah. <laughs> That's a bad religion song, actually. So yeah. <laughs> I'll send it to you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, until next time, hopefully we'll have like some happier football things for Shay to talk about. You know, we want we doubtful. Want, we want to see our, we want to see our pod buddies do well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dark right now. Well, until next time. Either way, we'll just stay sportsgasmic and battle our way through. Emery out. <laughs>